Two friends from a small town in West Virginia have one thing in common, a love of hip-hop. So it's only right that they get together to wax poetic about what they love. This is Hip Hop Manifesto. I think you should do an introduction. Wow, what episode is this? Episode 8. <laughs> Why is that so funny? Because it's such a low number. <laughs> you act like we've been doing this podcast since like April of 2008. Yeah, we have. <laughs> oh, shit. Where has the time going? Okay. Uh, welcome to Hip Hop Manifesto Podcast, episode number eight. For our listeners, that is correct. There is only eight episodes. Even if you've been listening to us for years, there's still only eight. Even if you just discovered us, there's still only eight episodes. So you can get caught up really quickly. It'll be okay. And then you can go back and re-listen to the ones that you <laughs> that you missed that you listened to already. Because yeah. then it's like, hey, maybe I missed the McCoughing in a certain spot or something. I'm really not going to apologize for their own being eight because this one is so much closer to the last one than any of the other ones were together. So congratulations, you're listening to eight less than a year after the last episode. You know what? You're technically right because uh, the first episode was in April of um '08. Second one and the third one, part two, one and two, were in December of '08. Parts three and uh, I mean four and five episodes, four and five, those were done in uh, April of '09. Wow! And then we just did um episodes six and seven, and uh, when was that? June, May? I don't even remember when it was. It was warm. Yeah, it was, it was about a, a year day, between each of them. <laughs> Yes, yeah, so this this is an improvement. You know, it's only been a couple months. Like, we can we can work from this. Right? Even though what we're talking about in today's episode is the Rock the Bells episode. This is when the Fresh Prince gets mugged and then he gets a gun and he, yeah. and he's at the hospital. No, Carlton gets the gun and he's like, Carlton, don't don't kill somebody. Carlton's all upset. It was a very special episode of the Fresh Prince. It's that episode. It's exactly what it's like. Now, what we're talking about. Uh, Kellen, B hyphen. Hello. And I both went Matthew to... Matthew Chivalry Spencer, by yeah, the way. Matthew Chivalry Spencer. Word up. Word up. Rap no crap. Some you bore me. Uh, we finally made it to Rock the Bells 2010 yes, in DC. Yes, we did. It was awesome. It was one of four cities that the show was at. That yes, the show was in, uh, it was in San Francisco, in yeah. LA, in New York. And finally in Columbia, Maryland, a.k.a. Washington, D.C. A.k.a. Baltimore. <laughs> a.k.a. Baltimore, yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, I'm sure we've mentioned it before in the podcast. If you hear a bell, that's that's Cat's, that's Cat's Rennie over there. Yeah. <laughs> that's, Renoir's holding down the heater. That's Shiv's cat, Ren, Renoir, over there. He, he named him after a painter. Actually, I didn't name him. He was like that when I adopted him. But I wouldn't name you him. You were that named anyway. after a painter. And now yeah. you paint stuff all over the floor. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. So we've been planning to go to Rock the Bells for almost as long as there have been a Rock the Bells. Seriously, close to it. Yeah, because it started like 2000 or something like that? 2001? 2006. 2000, that, damn. No, no, seven years ago, something like that. Yeah, so 03. Yeah. 
First time we tried to go to Rock the Bells was in 2004. No. Yes. What? 2004. When did we try to go in 2004? Okay, I said almost as long. Not. Oh, oh, I thought you were saying yeah. we. <sighs> Getting our signals crossed. Yeah. Ooh, is that that documentary? Yeah, that's. I'm holding in my hand the documentary to the original Rock the Bells. Word up. Yeah, it's another part. I of the know. <clears throat> um, so, for since yeah. like around 2006, we've been planning on going to Rock the Bells. Yes. And Rock the Bells, if you don't know what it is, it's a music festival, but like it's not on Bonnaroo standards or or um, kind of think of some other like maybe All Good. I think some people's familiar All Good, or even like on a rock level, it's not Ozfest level or anything like that. Right. Or Lollapalooza. There you or go. Anything like that. Or Little Fair for for those of you that enjoy that kind of music. Um, it's usually just a one day event with a whole lot of artists. Yes. All at once, but it it, it kind of has a history for a couple reasons. One. It's stuck around and it's persisted since 2004, which is an accomplishment just for music festivals. Because if anybody want like hip hop shows are always looked down upon by any promoters of any kind, because rappers, as much as I love them, they're ignorant, they're late, they they get in confrontations, they they don't they don't go on if they don't get their money, which makes sense. Yeah. But sometimes they get there and they want more money. A lot of them are divas. I mean, they tear up the venues. It's just a lot of issues that come along with hip-hop. And, like, you might say, oh, well, Rock's the same way. Well, yeah, but Rock has better lawyers. <laughs> <laughs> That's my opinion on that. <laughs> but, yeah, basically, uh, a little history lesson on Rock the Bells. It was uh, started by this this hip-hop promoter named Chang Weisberg, which, from my understanding, uh, did everything he could to put together the best possible hip-hop concert that he could and he premiered the uh, the original Rock the Bells by reuniting the Wu Tang Clan. Now, now I know a lot of people now are like, "Oh, they reunited again," but this is a big deal because this is like 2004, and this is a uh, that like they had they hadn't put out an album since '01. They had all been doing separate projects, and I think it was the first time they had all been together in stage like since. They got done their promo run for their last album, and I can't remember for sure. But was Dirty still alive, or yeah, had Dirty Dirty's just died? Alive. Okay, Dirty was still alive for this because Dirty actually died a few months later after this. So it was the last time that Wu Tang was together as the original nine, sometimes ten <laughs> members, all on the stage at the same time. So he risked everything he could. From my understanding, he mortgaged his house. Yeah, he did everything. Goes borrowing money from friends. Big money. And basically put his balls on the line to put together this hip-hop concert for no other reason than just for hip-hop. Like, this guy didn't go into it for a profit. And it it came with a lot of its own uh, personal dramas, like Wu-Tang may or may not were going to go on here. That whole situation that we kind of alluded to with hip-hop festivals. Oh, okay, you're just saying that they may or not go on. Yeah, yeah. Like, was that an actual issue, though, that that Wu wasn't going in? Wow. Yeah. No, I can see it. I mean, it was a debut festival, so that, Wild Day show. That started in Los Angeles, and it ended up having a whole lot of other uh, acts. It had, like, Redman, Dilated Peoples, uh, MC Supernatural, Sage Francis. So it was a really diverse hip-hop crowd that was there. It was also, at first, it was the hip, Rock the Bells is actually a really West Coast-oriented Yeah, it started kind of in show. Los Angeles for the very first one. So, like, you would have, they would bring in a big name like Wu-Tang, and then they... 
or whatever big name that they could bring in. But then you'd have a lot of West Coast acts because it started on the West Coast and really it was a West Coast festival. And so they branched out later years and started going around the country. And it kind of evolved into Rock the Bells today, which is one of the only hip-hop festivals that's kind of like a must-see if you're a hip-hop fan. There's really kind of two acts right now. I I think uh, you'll agree with me. Okay. There's Rock the Bells, if you can get it in your city. Yes. And then there's Summer Jam, if you can make the pilgrimage to New York. Right. Those those are the two big hip-hop shows that go down, like, every single year. And Lord willing, like, Rock the Bells will continue and Summer Jam will continue. But it's just like, if you ever, like, if you're a new hip-hop head, whatever, like, one of the first things you learn is, oh, Jay-Z did this to Nas at Summer Jam. And Summer Jam is this festival held by Hot 97 every single summer um, at um, Giant Stadium in New York. I'm sorry, New Jersey. (laughs) And then it's the same thing with Rock the Bells. Like, Rock the Bells has become this, as as hip-hop's answer to the music festival. And uh, when we first really tried to make an organized attempt to go to Rock the Bells, Rock the Bells wasn't actually... Four cities. It was more like twenty six. Yeah, or something it was. Along it was a lines. big tour that year. It was a huge tour. The first time we had thought about it was in '08, and it was around the time that that Matthew came to me and said, "Hey, we should start a podcast." And I was like, "Great idea. We can have a lot of episodes done in no time." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that happened. <laughs> so among our other, we have nothing ideas. to do. <laughs> no, the headline act that year was Nas, right? And yeah, Nas Nas headlined. Nas and um, Tribe Called Quest. I think Tribe was on it. Was there because that, that was, was like their first big. Uh, that was their reuniting. Yeah, uh, event as well. It was first time Tribe had gotten back together, and it was also like Fife hadn't gotten his new his um transplant yet. Right. So Fife was really sick. That a lot of the whole tour. Gangstar but, was there. Gangstar. I no, 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 no. no gang. Okay. Primo and um. No, they were. And on God the bless the day, Guru were adding talks as like oh four at that point. Uh, there, are, there are a whole lot of acts for this show, and we just salivated after seeing the roster for it. And can you can you actually see? Um, bring up Wikipedia or something. Maybe we can tell them exactly who was there, like each year. Because I, I remember looking it up while we were there. Um, but like he was saying, we definitely salivated over um over the fact that uh now you want you went to Wikipedia because it had like everybody everything everything. Somebody's back. getting picky. Quick and picky. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I just want I just want these people to understand why I was so big. 2006. You're almost there. There it is. Oh, it wasn't that big in 2008. Well, it's still. I mean, yeah, it was bigger yeah. than the year before. It looks like. Yeah. So well, look, it says Columbia, Maryland. What do you know? <laughs> in 2008. Uh, Trial Called Quest was there. Yes. Far Side, yes, right. They were the special guest. Nas and some of Wu-Tang was there. Yeah, Ghostface and Raekwon was going to be there that year. Most Def and Talib Kweli were going to be there. Yeah. I was super hyped about that. Super hyped. Method Man and Red Man were going to be there. And I remember another reason I really wanted to go was because the second stage, they, they had a lot of smaller groups, but they also had they had Kids in the Hall. Right around yeah. the time the kids in the hall were really breaking. Yeah, that's when um, we were really in the kids in the hall. For old school, they had Africa Bambada over there, which I really am kind of disappointed. But back then, they also had Wale, uh, J Electronica, and B.O.B. 
before they were big, big. Yeah, and Jay Electronica, like, he really, like, he barely had anything out back then. He barely has anything out now. And right. he was he was on the main stage, and Wale was uh, still Pete a year away from too. dropping his album. And, uh... De La, oh, man. J- um, little Brother was there. Like, the lineup was super crazy. And we were like, we're going to do this. We're going to go July 27th. We're going to go to Meriwether Post Pavilion. We're going to see the show. It's going to be awesome. And then as the summer went on, my ass got broker <laughs> as the summer went along. So eventually I was like, say, man, I can't I can't afford to go this year. And, and so the Rock Bells 2008 dream died with, with my money. Yeah, that's uh, I had something else going on money-wise. I think I... Bought my car or something. I think you uh, did, but I also also that year, I was uh, very broke and I was actually homeless for most of the summer. And when I say homeless, I mean I was slumming it on my boy's couch. But I still I consider that homeless. I felt really it was a bad period in my life, honestly. I didn't. Let's do- talk about that. Let's just, let's go completely dark with it. It's all about my depressing Joe Budden like thoughts. Okay, I'm kidding. And then 2009, came, <laughs> and it was another basically ten city tour. Uh, once again, it hit Columbia, Maryland at the Meriwether Post Pavilion. And the lineup, it changed a lot. Uh, they had some really awesome acts still. Like, they still had, uh, like, Nas was the headline act for it. And this, uh, once Nas again. Nas and Damian Marley. Yeah. yeah. It's only about Damian Marley. We made a, a more <laughs> orchestrated effort to try to go to this concert. And I really don't even remember what happened with this, but something killed it. I think it was scheduled. No, no, this is what happened. First of all, the main draw of this concert was the fact that Slaughterhouse, which is Joe oh, Budden, yeah, Royce 5'9", right. Crooked Eye, and Joe Ortiz was going to be there on the paid due stage. Not to mention the Locks, uh, Styles P. I mean, it was, uh, well, like the Locks the and Styles oh. it, was, it, it was going to be a phenomenal show. Yeah. And I, I had the money. I, I, had, I, had told my, I had told Angel... Like yeah, I'm going to show. That's I need to have ex. Yeah, Angel is my is my woman. Hands off. I was like, yo, I'm gonna save his money for this specific reason, so we can go rock the bells this year. She's like, okay. And then this motherfucker, look, calls me up. The show was scheduled to be uh, let's see, it says July 12th. He calls me up in like May or June or something like that. He's like, no, no. Before I say this, it's a great reason why. Why he uh, didn't actually uh, go. But same time, I had money, so I was ready to go. <laughs> this fool calls me up and says, dude, I'm saving money for my wedding. And I can't think, I can't think I can swing the tickets this year. I'm really sorry, but I really need to save this money for my wedding. And I was like, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> and so died the dream of 2009 Rock the Bells. But Chivalry's wedding plans is impen- impending nu- That's nuptials. That's such a hard decision to make. <laughs> impending I mean, nuptials. so many people in that lineup that I really wanted to see. It was, look, I mean, it's a badass lineup. Man. I mean, they had the roots, they had Karis Farm, Reflection Big Eternal. Boy. Yeah. Common. Yeah, there, there are a lot of people that I really wanted to see. We were, like, we wanted to saw Wu-Tang. Super excited. Or most, or Ice Cube. this. And a lot of other people were mad at us because they all wanted to go with us too. But we learned a valuable lesson in 2009. Yeah. And that is you don't really uh, tell people about concerts unless you know they're going to be 100% serious about it. Yeah, when, like when planning – here, we're going to switch up. We're going to go into advice mode. <laughs> Hip-hop manifesto's advice for concert going. Number one, if you're going to go by yourself – 
I feel bad for you. You should never, never really try to go to a concert by yourself. Unless it's a small joint. Then it's just going to be like, uh, let's tell you right down the street at a bar. Yeah. Cool. But if it's something like this, you want somebody that's going to be there with you, that experience this with you. Well, you won't enjoy it. I think you, I agree. I, I don't think it's as enjoyable. I can't imagine sitting through Rock the Bells by myself. It, no. It'd be really weird. But you should always have somebody with you who's going to be on that same level of excitement with you. Like, when I got the Jay-Z tickets for Christmas this year, I said, like, in my head, I was like, who, like, I, I got to pick who I got to take. And it's like, who, who can I possibly take who's going to enjoy this as much as me? And honestly, Matt's the only person I can think of. Because everybody else I know would probably, there would be some kind of issue where they just wouldn't get the full enjoyment of the whole, the trip and being there and the trip. They just wouldn't get the whole concept of it. And then we realized that this year in 09, like, a lot of people were like, oh, we want to go, we want to go, and we're going to go. And, like, everybody kept saying they wanted to go, but nobody was all about locking down plans. And then when you kind of, we kind of tried to at points, it was kind of like, oh, well, I'm not sure. And then. Yeah, so also our word of advice for going to a concert, especially a concert that's, like, a few hours away. Find people that are willing to put the money down from the very beginning. Yes. If they don't have it then, don't wait for it to come around. Just move on to somebody else. And really, try to keep it as few people as possible because then you don't have to worry about schedules and things like that coming into the problem. Yeah, unless you all are jobless (laughs) and you come across 400 bucks to go to a show or something. Like, yeah, I guess it's really hard to line up schedules. That's the main reason that Hip Hop Manifesto doesn't have more than it does. Me and Matt's schedule is completely ridiculous. He works during the day. I'm only off during the day. I work at night. He's off at night. And I, or I'm in school now. It's 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 really hard. So it's a new plan. Tip. Yeah. That's a big thing. Another tip, and we'll get to this point later. Uh, budget a lot more money than what you need. Like, way more money. Because, yeah. uh, I mean, you'll have your hotel, which is probably going to be expensive because everyone's probably going to be staying at the same hotels in the area. But really, you want the money for the day of when it's like 100 degrees outside and water's like $8 a bottle and you're yeah. going to be standing there going just buck wild crazy for an hour or 14 hours. You're going to need to buy about 10 of those uh, $8 waters and plus yeah. your food. Because they do not let you bring anything into the venue. Of course, you know that from like stadium shows and everything. But yeah. even for you would think that like, oh, they'll let you bring in some water. Like, I understand they don't want you bringing liquor and getting trashed. It, the funny is they don't want you to bring in your own liquor, but you can go in there and buy your buy liquor from them and get yeah. trashed. But like everything is jacked up ridiculous. Like if you wanted a hot dog, it was like five bucks yeah. for a hot dog. But you know that that kind of happens. Let's be expected. Well, you yeah, understood, but like always have extra money. Very important. Another rule that I just thought of: make sure you know where the tickets are at all times. We did not have an issue with this, but I can only imagine. What kind of shit we would have gotten into between us is when something happened to the tickets. It reminds me of a Scrubs episode. <laughs> I don't lose my cool. I don't know. Remember back in college when we had tickets to see Michael Jordan in the playoffs? We're going to see Michael Jordan. We're going to see Michael Jordan. We're going to see Michael Jordan because we got good tickets. We went 500 miles. Hey, was I supposed to bring the tickets or the sandwiches? God. 
you shaved your head for the first time after that. I can only imagine the same thing happening <laughs> if, if we had forgotten the tickets or something like that once we got into D.C. So, know where the tickets are. So, fast forward to 2010. <laughs> Rock the Bells is announced with the, uh, the lineup. And the lineup is ridiculous. Like, it, as soon as we see it, we know we, we have to make this show. It, it had a classic uh, lineup to it. It had an amazing lineup. Which, uh, do you want to read off the whole lineup to him? I'll, I'll read off some of the highlights. The theme for this year was a lot of classic albums that, um, that you know from hip-hop history. Brock the Bells went and got the actual artists that created those classic albums to come and perform the full albums. That was at least the idea to perform the full yeah. album. And so, they went and got Miss Lauryn Hill, who has not done anything remotely related to a, a hip-hop festival in years. Snoop Dogg with Warren G, the Dog Pound Lady of Rage, and RBX performing Doggy Style. Yep. A Tribe Called Quest performing Midnight Marauders. Wu-Tang Clan performing Enter the 36 Chambers with Boy Jones, which is ODB's son. Rakim performing Paid in Full. KRS-One performing Criminal Minded. And uh, Slick Rick performing The Great Adventures of Slick Rick. And that's a serious lineup, y'all. I mean, they're doing their debut album, the albums that made them. And that's just them. Like, that's not even counting who was on the on the paid due stage. You had Murza Ninth Wonder. You had you had Immortal Technique over there, Brother Ali. You had uh Big Sean and Yellow Wolf. And there was just there was just guest appearances out out the wazoo, out the ass. Yes, I said wazoo because I didn't want to say yes, and I was like, oh, I'm doing a podcast. I can say yes. I'm kind of stuck between radio mode and real life mode. I'm sorry. <laughs> but, I mean, it's a serious lineup. So, like, we heard this, and we're like, I looked at Matt. I said, you, you in? He said, you in? I said, yeah. I said, that's it. <laughs> I, I, again, I apologize to anybody who listens to this who feels scorned that they weren't included. But it was all about the fact that we knew – after at least going to Jay Z concert, and uh, we we knew that we could pull this off this year. It was the year to go. And if we didn't do it now, then shit, we might never make it into a fucking Rock the Bells. Yeah, this, this may be the last one. fucking chance. <laughs> I mean, this man gets married in May. You know? I'm serious. <laughs> this may have been the last chance. So we we um we saw when the tickets went on sale and uh bought them the same day. Shiv got them the day they went on sale. And, and we should uh, point this out. Uh, a little side note, in case you ever plan on going to Rock the Bells, there, you got to know a little bit about how the uh, the post, uh, or sorry, the Meriwether Post Pavilion is laid out. Yeah. When you're buying your tickets, it's very important. Okay, so your very top tickets are Here we go. The, the the VIP tickets. Yeah, those are the, those are like three hundred dollars joints. Yes, this is right in front of the stage, standing room only, mm-hmm. which might sound like a good idea until you realize you're there for fourteen hours and Easy. you're right there at the speakers. Easy, yes, yes. So coming and going, whatever you got to go through that crowd and out of that crowd every single time, fourteen hours. Just throwing that out there again. I don't think I could do it. These tickets were one hundred and fifty dollars. That's that's yeah. crazy. Right. Just behind that, and kind of elevated, 
uh, with a roof over top of it. I should point yeah, the that out. Yeah, whole pavilion at Meriwether Post. Anyway, it has it's a pavilion. So there's there's a roof and it that's just kind of like you have your little section where it's standing room only, and then you have this big sprawling area where there's all these nice seats and and coverage from the weather and everything. And it, it, like those are the seats that me and me and Shiv got. We we drop what 110 each. Yeah, 110 each. Got well, really a hundred dollars ten yeah. to you know delivery and whatever. Yeah. Hundred dollars for those seats. Let me tell you why this is a good decision. Because directly behind those seats is, were the seats we were going to get. Yeah, the seats we were going to get. Seventy five dollars joints. Whole lot of people got, which is in the grass. And you might think, oh, that's cool, whatever. The problem is the grass. It, it, first of all, it's so large. And so far away from the stage, and actually at a, a different angle than like the pit that the stage is down into, that you really can't see the stage. You were watching the show on video screen. Yes. And hearing it. And, and I'm not saying like you couldn't see the stage like it was so far away. I'm talking like it's at it's not even at an angle that's viewable to you. It is just like that far down with a roof that kind of covers up where it's at. So yeah. This day, I mean, it was like 90-some degrees. It was definitely upper 90s. Yeah, Yeah, upper 90s. I don't know. I'm just going to throw out a a huge number here. It might be less than that. But there had to be over 50,000 people there. There was a ton of people. In the heat, (laughs) 90-some degrees, 14 hours, in the grass, sitting there right in the sun, crowded, not even able to see the show, charging $75 a piece. So don't do that to yourself. If you're going to go... Just go ahead and spend the extra twenty five, and then it's the only way you'll enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely, you have to do that if you're going to go. Unless you just really want to just be there and not really care about being in the like seeing. Yeah, don't don't do it. And I should point out also, this is for the main stage, so this is where all the uh, the classic artists that were performing yeah, all the big in names. their entirety are at. Now there was the paid dues tour, which is also at the same location but on a separate stage, and that's ran by Murray. And that is all standing room only, mm-hmm. but the crowd comes and goes based on who's going there. But it's, it's yeah. more of a constant show going but on. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that yeah. more so in a just, second. Just make sure you pay the money to end up there. That's and all also, I gotta say. And also, this is only for the Meriwether Post Pavilion. We don't know the layouts of the other cities they were in. Like, um, so, But always just try to pay attention to that because it's a long festival. We got there at, what, it's open at what, 12? No, or 10. earlier than that. We got there... No, it started at 11. Yeah. We got there at 10. Yeah. And we didn't leave till midnight. Easy, after yeah, midnight. Yeah, midnight. So we were there a long-ass time. That's mostly Snoop's fault, Wu-Tang's fault. We'll talk about that later, Lawrence too. Lauren's fault. <laughs> so we knew we had to go. And so first thing we did, we bought the tickets the day they were released on the hour that they were released. Yeah, my man was on top of it, son. And we, I was at work, and he's like, I got him. We it's made like, the decision from the beginning, without even really knowing this about the grass, that we should just go ahead and pay the extra 25 And I don't remember. That might have been an executive decision I made. No, that wasn't an executive decision. You called me on that did one it. and said, yo, like, do you want to be in grass or you want this place where we'll have actual seats? I was like, actual seats? So, so we did that. But I'm Got thinking we're going to be like good, like 50 yards away, and you'll see the stage down there, and we'll like have nice little seats or something. And like, and we actually had better seats than that. So yeah, we had fantastic seats. And if you count that all the seats weren't filled, and we were able to move up about five or six rows, that helps a little bit too. <laughs> Hell, we probably could move up to the next section. And they then, really didn't seem to care once you got past them once they saw your ticket. Then we made the decision, which also I would recommend to anybody is to get a hotel so you can drive there the day early and then you can go crash at the hotel the night of 
and recover. Because you're going to get there really late. You're not going to want to get in the car and go for a long drive. Getting, getting the hotel was the best idea you had. There, there are two other aspects to that. One, there's a shuttle that will drop you off at the concert. That's great. At least great. our yeah. hotel did that. Sheraton, yeah. what? what? <laughs> and get this. A lot of the acts stayed at the hotel. Now, while we didn't actually see any of them. Yeah, Snoop was in our hotel the night after the show. Slick Rick's wife was there talking to the guy that drove our shuttle. Yeah, to our shuttle so driver. He was there. Yeah. there were a whole lot of acts that were staying at the hotel. So, that's cool. You so might you get a chance know. to see somebody. You never know. You may see someone. So, we stayed at the Sheraton. That was that was popping. That was, that was good. So, Got there a night early. Yeah. So, we left on Saturday. Yeah. Yeah, we left, there, we left Saturday after golf work. And it took us about three hours to get up there, right? Yeah. A little under three hours. Drove in. Got to the place, uh, to Sheraton. Checked in. Matt had only booked one bed, but the woman was nice enough to, <laughs> By to, act, no. to change it to two. That's the way they had it in their system. My ticket was straight. <laughs> no, what happened is when he first did it, like, for the price he got it for, like, he put two beds, they had to change something, and went reverted back to one bed. But one of the problems, she changed it on the spot. No big deal. So, we get in there, and we're like, damn, what do you want to do? And he's like, what you want to do? I was like, well, I want a drink. <laughs> so, um, we're like, all right, we're just going to play it cool. We'll just go upstairs to a little restaurant, bar, whatever, and have a couple drinks, and, and just kind of chill up there. We get up there, and first of all, the waitress was, the bartender was terrible. She wasn't really paying attention at all. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she was. She, there was like a couple people at the bar eating. We got a little side table. There weren't that many people in there, but she was bullshitting on helping us out. And we, she get over there and help us, whatever. And, and like, we asked if there was any kind of specials or anything like that. She's like, no. And asked how much the beers were. And she's like, we dropped like five bucks on them beers, right? We got one bottle of beer each. And we spent $10 total. Yeah. It's ridiculous. So. Actually, it was poured, and it wasn't even like a full beer in the cup. Yeah, it was. It was yeah. like half a beer. It was kind of shitty. Uh, but somebody did. Somebody recommend that we go looking for some place. Like, did we go to? I Bass? think we went looking. Well, we went looking for a sushi place. Yeah, that you some, found on your phone. Yeah, I saw that there was a sushi place nearby. So we we're like, oh, we can do sushi. So we we leave out and we walk over to the, the like. Actually, this hotel is located like right next to to a big lake, right? Yeah. Like you walked it the next morning. And, like, they had, like, this little kind of waterfront, like, all these little restaurants and stuff. It was a nice little setup, even for night. Like, it was it was really, really nice little view. And so we go check out the, the sushi restaurant, and it's closed. And we're like, oh, this Chinese restaurant, closed. Everything was closing now. Because it's, like, at this time, it's, like, around 10 o'clock at night. Yeah, this ain't no college town. This no. Is just something, this is Columbia, Maryland, son. <laughs> yeah, so uh, we go to this, to this restaurant. I wish you could remember the name off the top of my head. But uh, we get in there and we're like, "Are you going to close anytime soon?" Because it was like we're, think- we're thinking they're going to close like ten o'clock. So I'm like, like, "Oh, well, our kitchen's going to close another hour, but we're going to be open later, or whatever." So, so um, we managed to get seats at the bar, and the bartender pre- proceeds to hook us up like for the next hour and a half that we were there with with delicious drinks. Hooks hooks Matt up with some French. You got French fries, right? Yeah, man, that's some good French fries <laughs> and a pepperoni roll. <laughs> a pepperoni roll. My man was getting it in, man. I was hungry, man. So we we were sitting there and we just had a couple drinks and we got to the point where it was like, okay, we either keep drinking and get more wasted, or because we were right at that point where we were good and drunk, but we weren't too 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 wasted. We decided to go back to the hotel and we attempted to record a podcast that thankfully I deleted. 
because it was terrible, and I think we ended up calling each other very nasty slurs because we were drunk, and then we crashed for the night. So that was our Saturday yeah. night, and then Sunday morning, this fool hops up at like <laughs> mad early, and like walks around the hotel and stuff, and goes check out the the, the intercontinental breakfast, the continental breakfast. And uh, turns out it's not continental. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I go down to the hotel. Well, first, actually, I go for this long walk, like, around the lake. Because for whatever reason, I, ha- I get up at, like, 6 o'clock in the morning. Go for a lake. And, and that was cool. And then I get back. And it just it looks like it's, you know, a, a continental breakfast. Like, okay. A little breakfast buffet. You know, no indication that, you know, anything's about to be charged or whatever. So... I go, and there's the typical continental breakfast food, and there's some other stuff. And I thought, well, I'll stay in that share, and then what the hell? That's probably just the way it is. <laughs> so, man, I just, I go in on the food. I mean, I'm going to, like, the omelet dude. The omelet dude hooks me up with this nice omelet. I go, and I just raid the fruit, and I got all my yogurt and my blueberry muffin and pancakes and uh, <laughs> bacon and sausage, and I just went crazy with it. And I was like, man, these people were treating me nicer than any continental breakfast I ever been to. This was great. <laughs> and then I got my bill. <laughs> but how much was your bill though? It wasn't that bad. Uh, no, it wasn't that bad. It was like twelve or fifteen. Exactly. It was only like you got a lot of food for that. Like Ooh, thankfully he warned me. Or something. So I went over there and I and um I got my food, I had about basically the same thing that he had. And then I got back to the room. He's like, yo, let's go ahead and get over there. So Hop on the shuttle because um, we came in last night and a uh, uh, nice uh, gentleman was good enough to say that they were doing shuttles over the show all day. Somehow he knew automatically we were going to the hip hop festival. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think we looked at hip hop. I mean, we had our little roll bags and we we could have been. I don't know. I think I don't think anything on two things. Anything too bright or anything? It's just like you guys going to rock the bells, Snoop Dogg. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> He was mad cool, though. I can't... I yeah, so can't we got hooked up by this really nice dude, uh, the, the shuttle driver. Dropped us off, like, basically, just like a little tiny... He looked like, like, a, a, skip from like the, a more gangster uh, Larry Fitzgerald. Yeah. I mean, like, almost right at the gate. Took yeah. Just, like, straight there. And we got there, and we were only, like, the fifth person in line or something like yeah, that. Yeah, we got there real, real nice and early. So we had a little bit of a wait. So first thing I do is I, I look around, of course, and... Right directly behind me is two little white girls. I, I wouldn't put them no more than if they weren't high school age. They had just got into college. Yeah. And one had on an Immortal Technique shirt and a Jedi Mind Trick shirt. Now that fucking blew my mind. I'll tell you why. I live in a college town. None of these girls in this town knows who the fuck Immortal Technique or Jedi Mind Tricks were. And who are these two little white girls that look like they're straight from suburbia? With, like, like AK-47s on the yeah. shirts. <laughs> it's like, I don't even listen to those two artists. I felt like they were more hip-hop than me in that moment. It was crazy. But yeah. at the same time, I, I, I felt it was kind of like a, a good feeling, though. Because it's like, I'm here with people who respect hip-hop. And that's fucking awesome. Instead of sitting there like, I'm going to get drunk and put my heels on for Jay-Z. Woo! <laughs> Fuck that. And speaking of that, I'm sure there's going to be plenty of bitches that goes to this Drake show tomorrow, like, all dressed up with their heels on, hoping that Drizzy wants them to be fancy with them, and like, no! <laughs> that ain't going to happen! Get over yourself! Yeah. So, really, I mean, we wait in line a long time, and and after we get in, we go grab some food, take our seats, and this is why we uh, mentioned to have your tickets on you at all times, because we had to go through, like, three or four ticket checks just to get to our seats. Yeah. 
We was that VIP, son. <laughs> but we had we were like dead center of the pavilion. So we had a straight on shot of the stage. And like it was like I really wish I had a regular camera with me. I only had my camera phone. So all my pictures came out really shitty. He had a dying iPhone, so I wasn't able yeah. to give any pictures either. Like I, I, I had, to, I was tweeting from my from text all day because I knew if I used my my app, my phone was just going to die. Because I was tweeting my everything. <laughs> but probably then, I lost followers. We sat down, and after a while, the very first show to go on was Slick Rick, and and it wasn't DJ Premier. No, Primo though, wasn't. The bill kind of almost indicated it, like it was going to be him, which would have been really interesting. See premiere yeah. DJ Slick Rick set, but it was really just Slick Rick, and uh, <laughs> he's an old man now. And <laughs> you kind of got to keep that in mind. I mean, no disrespect. I mean, Slick Rick is a a forefather of hip hop, like an excellent artist. What is he in his fifties? He's he's got to be. But I mean, he came out the way you would expect Slick Rick to look. Like had his gold chains on. Like yeah, most of them. Most of them. And. Uh, Came out and he did his show, and I'm glad I was able to see it because I've never seen Slick Rick live. He's 45. Wow, he looked way older. I think he was just lazy. <laughs> and the slow flow that you would know of Slick Rick—that's kind of the way his shows are. The dude had his hand in dude his sweatpants one, pocket, his left hand in his <laughs> in his pocket, and his other hand on the mic, just sitting there rocking it. And at the at one point, you. Uh, on one hand, you might look at him and be like, man, he looks so lazy right now. But at the same time, it's like, man, look at that swag right now. He's like, sitting up there like... It's like, yo, it's kind of fun. It's like... He didn't really move for the no. whole album. No, he just kind of said, he said, this is the record that was off of this album. And one thing I really didn't like, I think you mentioned it, he had like, uh, there was a big video screen behind all the artists. Yeah, yeah. And like most of the time, like throughout the night, it was showing like the artist or just showing something involving their show. Or the album cover. Or the album cover or just saying their name behind them. Yeah. Slick Rick said his name, but he like picked the most distracting videos to play behind him ever. Like, yeah. Like he's sitting up there rapping. And you were paying more attention to what was going on in the video, even if you had seen it before. Like it wasn't even like it wasn't even his music videos. It was just random shit. That like there was one that had like what Black Thought and some Black Thought, chick. some white girl, and then they were like listening to records together. It looked like it looked like it was right before Love Scene, like where she met yeah, her first black. Almost guy. like it had to be from a movie or yeah, some weird really, television show really or something. Weird. And it went on for like fifteen minutes. And you're like really caught up in watching that because you're like, what, what the hell's going on? Why is, why am I watching this? Right, that's exactly what it is. I mean, but don't get me wrong, seeing Slick Rick was awesome. Um, yeah, you might not get many opportunities to do that. I mean, you gotta admit the the man's old, and I mean, forty five. Yeah. And I, I just I'm glad I got the chance to do it before he ever retires from even doing shows because that's gotta be stressful. The only thing I wish he would have done, I wish he would have done Lottie Dottie in the show. I, expe- yeah. I was really expecting Lottie Dottie, especially yeah. with Snoop being there. But I'm not going to hold it against him for not doing it. No, that. no. And I also had hoped for maybe like maybe a little Dougie Fresh appearance. Yeah. But I guess I was just wishful thinking. But the show was good. I mean, I don't, I don't regret having sat, sat through it. It was a good, it was a good set. 
but directly following that, I kept telling you all weekend that I wanted to check out Big Sean. And at this point, I'll be honest, I had no idea who Big Sean was. Like, the only thing I told him, like, he's on good music, and he did a mixtape a while back. I kind of liked it, and I just want to see what his live show was all about. And he's talking about he's almost he's about to perform soon on Twitter. I just want to check him out. And so we make our way to the paid due stage. Now, mind you, like, the pavilion is the main is like the main thing you get to. But the paid due stage is, like, all the way up this long path, and, like, in this fenced area, like, a good, I'd say it's about, like, a good 150 feet away from the main stage. So yeah. the sounds didn't blend too much, but you could kind of hear that there's another show going on, at least when you're at the paid due stage. And we got there just as, um, as like, Sean was in the middle of his set, right? Yeah. And Sean did these two joints. He did this joint called uh, Super Duper. And uh, basically, he uh, the whole song was him doing, like, those one-line those one punch punchlines that uh, Young Money's made famous. Like, the whole, it's going down, basement. Like, it was him doing that whole flow. And then he did it, and he was like, and I actually heard this on a video that Drake had did a couple days before, like a couple, maybe a week about before I saw this. And he's like, y'all know I invented that flow, right? And he's like, according to Drake, I did. He's like, I made that song in 2006. And like, which is crazy to the crowd, because it's like, the whole one line, punch punchline, one punchline, I don't know what the fuck called one it. One word punchline. One word punch. thank you, that's why you're here. <laughs> I serve no other purpose. <laughs> Um, that whole one-word punchline thing, I had no clue that Sean had even come up with it. But Super Duper just came off pretty awesome. Then he did this joint called Memories. Silver and the Lemonade? No, Memories was a slow joint he did. Oh, oh right, right. And that was, that's supposed, I think that's the last joint on his new mixtape that he just dropped. Um, I believe that's called Finally Famous Volume 3. Yep. And uh, that that song was real deep. And the beautiful thing about that, it was it's a slow song. It's a song that really... He hadn't. He couldn't perform normally, but because of the, like the crowd was really young, but the crowd knew him at the same time, and they the were crowd willing. Was treating him like he was bigger than yeah, they were the willing to guys, listen to him, which was awesome. And yeah, people that didn't know him, were like just really into it, like they're really open minded, which is real cool, including yourself, because you came away from that performance really impressed. But I'm the, a big fan of Big Sean now. But the the, the joint that did it for me you know, was, I guess it's called Super Duper Lemonade. Is a joint. Oh my God! It goes over to Gucci Man, Gucci Man Lemonade beat, and just destroys it. It's amazing. I like. I sat there and I was like, "Man, if I wasn't so worried about missing Rock Him, I would watch the rest of this show." Yeah. Because that—that's another thing that's that I didn't agree with with Rock the Bells. I understand that Paid Dues is Merge's festival and it's within Rock the Bells, and they have the two separate stages. But there's no reason they couldn't just combine the two stages and had music all day long. Because as you'll find out later, gaps in the music was a major issue. Between major all issue. the main acts on the main stage, there was usually about an hour 
or well, early on, early on, it was about thirty to forty-five. Like the early acts were fun, right? But then once, like right after, uh, after KRS went on, that's when it got bad. Yeah. But next, we actually saw Rakim. Yes. Yeah. Wow. And let, let me tell you this: Rakim is probably the same age as Slick Rick, and the dude killed it. Like. Yeah. You would think that this was like some twenty-year-old dude that just went up there he had all the same energy, if not more, than what you've ever heard on a hip-hop album by Rakim. I mean, he just and he just controlled the audience. Like yeah, I don't even know is how 42. he did. It. Rakim is forty-two. Wow, you would have thought he was twenty. He put on a hell of a show. A hell of a show. You Rakim had, had one of the best you had shows. Grown-ass motherfuckers look like they beat niggas for a living. Up in there rocking, standing on tables and on their chairs, man, just rocking to every word. And, like, he was doing his classic joints, but then he, he did the Truth Hurts joint. I think he did a primo joint that he did. Yeah, he did uh, Paid in Full in Entirety, yeah. but he still interspliced a lot of other songs. He, just he did his like doing. remix verse from The Watcher 2 yep. off of Blueprint 2. But, oh, man, Rakim controlled the stage. And shout out to the DJ. Yeah. his I believe his DJ was called Tech, Technician the DJ. I think so. That's yeah, something. he was phenomenal. He was like, like he a did lot. An excellent job. A lot of the um, artists had their own DJs and stuff, but he probably stood out to me the most out of all the DJs. And I might even put him over Premier because Premier, I was really the disappointed with what we got out of Premier. He did a short set though. It was a short set, but at the same time, Premier seemed to be screaming at people to remember <laughs> the classics more than he was playing the classics. Yeah, that's a good point. But technician, the DJ just went in like he did. He rock him even let him. Oh, yo, fuck. Yo, I forgot about this. Rakim even went so far to, um... Uh, no, no, no. The, shit. The technician DJ said to him, he's like, oh, you know, like, you still remember how to do this? And he's like, oh, yeah, you know, it's like riding a bike. He's, he's like, what about you? You know how to do this or something like that? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, he's started looking at the turntables. Like, yeah, I, can, I think I remember how to do that, too. Yeah, Rakim walked over to the tables. And proceeded to take them from technician to DJ while they were spinning, and then chopped up his name for a good steady yeah. three minutes, just rob, 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 working a crossfitter, everything. The crowd was going nuts. Rock him, rock him, rock. It was, it was dope. Like yeah, he may only scratch his name, but it shit sounded ill. If I try to scratch rock him, it's gonna come rock him. That's how that shit sounds. But Technician DJ even has a little, little set where he was DJing, did the whole behind-his-back DJing. And the best thing about his set, he rocked for a solid, like, seven minutes, just killing the tables. And then the camera zoomed in on him, and he's like, he turned around, he's like... <laughs> <laughs> like, you could tell that he was working his ass off. And I he respected... every ounce of energy. I respected the hell out of that. Respected the hell out of it. Rakim is a phenomenal person live. And if you know what a Rakim song is like, because lyrically, he's just he's an so intense, laid back. intense person. With what he's saying, there's so many words, but really it's a it's a slower, yeah, uh, not really slow because he can't rhyme it's pretty fast. It's been a fast, long time. I shouldn't have left you without a dope beat. Stuff that that's his level. He doesn't leave that area. That is his lane. But live, like even live, he was doing the same flow, but it just had so much. He was command yeah. commanding the stage. Had so much energy to it. Stop smiling, be still running move with the money. Yeah. Now I learned to earn. 
But you know, instead of all the words, and like, there's a ton of lyrics to a rock him song. Yeah. Every single person in that crowd knew every single word to it. Yeah. Regardless their age. He was working the shit out of Cameron, which is pretty awesome. Um, because he kept looking at the video screen. Yeah. Here's Rock Kim like picking his teeth and shit, like me mugging, which is awesome. That added to the show. But then at one point, Rock Kim like he he got to like one of the biggest songs on Big and Fool. He just sat there and crossed his arms and just let the crowd rock. And they knew every single word to the song. And he's like, eh. <laughs> that's all he did. That was that's legendary. He didn't even right have there. to rap it. The whole crowd knew every single. That is legendary too. status right there. So that that really set the tone for it. Like that was the bar that had to be. Passed. Yeah, Rockham set the first bar of the night. And unfortunately, it, it kind of tapered down for a little bit after the. It was just too much to to overcome. But after the Rockham show, we went back up to the Pay Dues tour. Yeah, and I don't remember who was performing up there. I think when we went up there, I think that's when that white that white kid and the black dude. Oh were up there. yeah, who are they? I'm uh, not. I don't even know if they were on there. Oh yeah, shout out to Peter Rosenberg, who I, who I walked right by and didn't get to introduce, say nothing to, like an idiot because I didn't realize what shirt he was wearing. Freestyle session? Name. No, that was something else. No, there. there were these two dudes that were there, and, and they, they they just seemed to be thrown on stage. And then they kind of did their little freestyle joints, and they, they, the crowd was not receptive. The no. crowd wasn't disrespectful either. No. I will say that there, everybody there was, was like, Woo! There was none of that. No. Not like later. But this guy, <laughs> it just it wasn't comparable to the talent no, they, that we saw for the rest of the show. And he just seemed thrown out there, and they held the crowd or whatever. So we made our way back um, down to the main stage, and that's when DJ Premier was on. Yeah, and Primo came out like we said he he did his whole R.I.P. Guru and stuff, and you thought with Premier he's gonna come out and play nothing but straight Primo joint Primo Primo Primo, and like he did that, but at the same time he spent a lot of time yelling into the mic, which I understand DJs need to talk with the mic, but he was like really like what's wrong with you motherfuckers get up and dance to this, and this yeah. is like right after Rock him and Rock, like it was probably like yeah. half an hour after, and it's like he's like just screaming the oh come on come on Rock you motherfuckers. Blah, blah, blah. And, like, he was gone after that. Like, he was there 40 minutes tops. Gone. Yeah. He had one of the shortest sets the entire night. Yeah. All stages combined, probably. So, after that, we saw KRS-One. And not only KRS-One, we saw Freddie Fox, a.k.a. Bumpy Knuckles, and Supernatural. They were his hype men for the show. What were your feelings on KRS-One? I went in with such high expectations for a KRS-One show. Because I've been a KRS-One fan for years, but I've just never had the chance to see him live. And I figured with somebody with the catalog of music that he has, you know, songs like Step Into a World or something like that, they're just, the beats are just so hype, and the lyrics and just the, the way, the energy that he brings to the crowd, like, I really expected a, a lights-out show, like, from him. But he got up there, and he... He lectured for most of it. It was almost like you paid to go see him give a speech because he spent a good 20 minutes just talking about hip-hop and talking about things like you need to ignore social media because the CIA is using it. And it. And what was the one he said? He said, now you better be able to rhyme yeah. if you can't get a degree. 
or something like that. Yeah. Instead of having a degree to fall back on, you need to fall, be able to fall back on your rom instead of being able to fall back on your degree because hip hop has become this universal thing where you can profit off of hip hop no matter what. Not true. Yeah. <laughs> you know the way you said it was it used to be that artists would go to college as a fallback plan for their music. But he said with the recession and the economy and the state of hip-hop, you need to know how to rap as a fallback to your college degree. And I was like, yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> um, I have about the same feeling about KRS. Like, he had a lot of good energy when we when we first got back to stage and saw he was on. He was he had a lot of energy and and. Bumpy and uh, Supernatural doing a good job bagging him up and everything. And they even had a little bit where uh, uh, Supernat did this freestyle about how uh, Boogie Down Productions was uh, born. It was awesome. Yeah. chance to see that on YouTube. Definitely yeah, Supernatural definitely killed it in that instance and then he let Bumpy have his time to shine. Like, I, I put Bumpy on MOP level almost. Because, I mean, I know they're kind of from the same clique. But it's like, you hear MOP and it's like, man, they sound like some real gangsters and shit. And you listen to Bumpy Knuckles, it's like, man, he is a real gangster. <laughs> like, he just sounds dangerous. He really does. And But his show is phenomenal. It's a damn shame that he isn't bigger than what he is. Yeah. Because... He's just always been bad deals, or just like I understand he's still making money off of hip hop, which is uh, which is good. And he right. still gets to do the art, but it's like he's underutilized in the game. He's he's a phenomenal artist. It's really impressed with Bumpy. It was a there were some songs that he performed that I was really looking forward to, and I didn't even recognize them when he was performing them. Like uh, he did a friend off of the uh, I Got Next album. Yeah. And I couldn't even tell it was it until halfway through the song. The same with Step Into a World, a song you should know as soon as you hear the beat. Couldn't even recognize it. He's like he seemed to lose interest in the performance about twenty minutes in. He spent the rest of his time, like Show said, lecturing, letting Bumpy and Supernatural do their thing. He at one point he yelled at the sound man to turn his mic up higher, which it was already fine. Apparently yeah. he wanted it louder, and then at one point he he went up to the stage that was like behind the main video screen, and proceeded to yell at the little white kid DJ that was DJing for a good ten minutes, apparently about something, and then he came back down. He just he just did not seem to be 
at want to be at the show almost. Yeah. Like, I he was an so asshole, it seemed like. I really, I mean, I really like Harris one. It's not going to change my opinion on no. any of his music. But it was just disappointing. And would I pay to see him live again? Probably not. Yeah, probably not. I think I would pass. Like, unless it's something like this where it's like he's included. Yeah. Uh, No, like if KRS came to Morgantown next week, no. So it's such a downer having DJ Premier, one of the best DJs in hip-hop ever, one of the best producers, and then KRS-One just kind of giving a lackluster performance. Yeah. After an incredible Rock Kim performance. So what we decided to do was uh, went back over to Paid Dude's stage and thankfully, Merce and Ninth Wonder was on. Yeah. Now, and Brother Ali was in the crowd. Yeah, like Brother Ali had performed a little before that. <coughs> and uh, he was actually two people in front of us watching from the side of the stage. Now, Just being a fan of hip-hop, it's yeah, cool to see. Very awesome. Um, now, I wish we had been in the front of the stage because the sound on the side of the stage wasn't exactly what we wanted. But Merce and Ninth, of course, had great chemistry. I mean, they'd done three albums together at this point now, four four albums together and uh, at one point Murs even straight up told Ninth Wonder and asked the crowd they went little brother get back together and then um, the crazy shit was Ninth Wonder came out to the front of the stage and did the dance from New Edition's If It Isn't Love video from 1988 like perfect it was very very interesting but uh, like they seem to proceeded to throw fitted hats out into the crowd yeah they seem to have a lot of fun on stage yeah um and like it was a, like what we see him perform. I think he performed he L.A. Did, that, did the Asian girl song? The Asian girl song for from for never. Like they just they had a lot of fun. I wish I could have stayed to watch the whole show, but same time I was like, man, we should be getting back because Lauren Hill should be going on soon, and I don't want to miss Lauren Hill. So yeah, we made our way back for Miss Lauren Hill, and they had it, her stage all set up. They were playing playing the instruments. Yeah, they completely changed the stage for this, and we sat there for a long time. A very very long time. Very, very long time. Like, way more than an hour. So long, in fact. Was this when we fell asleep? Uh, maybe. Or was it after Tribe? It was after Tribe. Okay. Yeah, but, we waited so long, and I'm going on Twitter, and of course, then they're like, Lauren's not going on, Lauren's sick, blah, blah, blah. And like, and then what happens is they start breaking down Lauren's stage. Like, Gary started booing yeah. that it was taking so long. Nobody's then, saying anything. Nobody came out and addressed the crowd at all at this point. Yeah. You just waited for an hour and then see them tear down the stage. Took all the instruments Nothing. out. Took the musicians with their instruments yeah. off the stage. Eventually, Peter Rosenberg comes out first, right? Yeah, Rosenberg came out first. Made a, a few jokes and really got the crowd fired up talking about NFL talking teams. Talking about the Ravens. Yeah. And how the Redskins are better. And then said, you know, basically that something was going on and they were going to get to the bottom of it. And then another long period of time passes... And then the actual guy in charge of Rock the Bells comes out. Yeah, Chang Weisberg comes out. And uh, what happens is Supernat- Supernatural comes out, and he's trying to calm the crowd down, and he, he brings out uh, Chan out. 
and there's stay on stage. He's like, look. He's like, Lauren is sick. She's really sick, and that's why she's not here. Boo, 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 boo. He's like, she's trying her best to get out here, but until then, y'all have to remain cool, and and we have to keep we have to keep this thing going. He's like, and, he, and Chan wants to say a couple words. So the main guy behind Rock the Bells, who does like like you shouldn't be seeing him right now, is out on the stage saying, look, this is the worst possible scenario that could have happened. Lauren is very sick from doing uh, the New York show last night. Um, she's trying to come out here and do her best, but she barely has a voice right now. She's back there resting up, trying to get out here to do so, do the music. She's like, he's like, she's going to try her best to be out here. Until then, like we're going, we're going to bring out Trap. We're going to go ahead and bring out Trap. But you have to be respectful and let Rock the Bells continue to rule. Rock, continue to do what Rock the Bells has done for years, which is bringing quality music. It was it, the funny thing is, it's this tiny little white guy on the stage. Um, all these niggas and all these Hispanics, <laughs> all these people pay good money to see Miss Lauren Hill and all this stuff. You see it go down, and like he managed, he managed to calm them down just enough where they're like, "All right, fine, whatever." Like crowd kind of backed up. Bought another thirty minutes, maybe. Yeah, but then Supernatural, wow. one of my favorite hip hop moments of all time, I will say. Th- this is incredible. Supernatural comes out and says. Like, uh, I think Rosenberg came out, so we're going to get Supernatural back out here. He's going to do some music for y'all. So we're thinking, oh, he's going to come out and do some, new, do some songs, whatever. He's going to perform. Not a big deal. Supernatural comes out. He's like, he's like, yo, DJ, give me a beat. So they just throw in some random beat. And he's like, let that joint just go. Don't even worry about cutting that joint off. Just let it go. He's like, I need you, everybody in the crowd, like, talking to the VIP people. He's like, I need y'all just hand me stuff. I don't care what it is. Just hand it to me. And I'm going to freestyle about it. So Supernatural proceeds to go into one of the most classic freestyle moments ever where he is taking items out of the crowd, rhyming nonstop, not messing up at all. No pauses. No pauses, no breaths, no yes, yes, y'alls. He's just taking the items from the crowd, rapping about them, kicking a punchline about, about the item and giving it right back, and does this for a solid four to five minutes. No, I did way longer than that. You think it was longer it, it, than yeah, that? Yeah, it had to be 10, 15 minutes long. It was super long. I don't know if it was that long. Crowd was I think it felt that long. On every word. And everything was ill. Oh, man. Uh, the condom line was yeah, awesome. Yeah, the condom line. Something with hands on a condom. <laughs> <laughs> and I forgot exactly how he worded it. He said, he said, he said, this young man just handed me a condom. He's like, I don't need that, son. Real men use magnums. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, it was it was great. I mean, I really he wish had I had sunglasses. He had tampon. He had somebody handed him uh, iPod, their iPhone, Blackberries, like whatever they get their hands on. Some regular glasses, some earrings, necklaces. Yeah. And um, just killed it. Hats and like a solid man. He just oh, he killed it, man. It was amazing. I've always heard stories about Supernatural's freestyle ability, but I've never seen it. And it it stole the show at this point. The crowd went nuts. Like, they were so relieved to have someone come out and just give them some music. Because, you know, this man wasn't getting paid for this. This man isn't getting anything additional other than the set that he did out on the Pay Dues tour and yeah. then being the hype man for KRS-One. Yep. Came out and then just this ill freestyle in front of everybody to give them music. that And it just, it was the perfect recipe at the time, because the crowd 
couldn't have loved it more. Like, it was really... They ate it up. The best reception you could ever really imagine for a freestyle session. They ate it up. It was, it was really dope. Twenty minutes later, Tribe came on. <laughs> the Tribe Called Quest took the stage, ladies and gentlemen. And when I say that I had a hip hop moment when Supernatural came on stage, Tribe Called Quest easily gave the best performance I've ever seen live, ever, ever, ever. And that's over Jay Z. That's over Tyler Quali. It's over the roots. It's over Kanye. It's over Usher. It's over the Roots. It's over. All the artists I've seen so far, easily the most energetic, most live, most on point, most interactive show ever. Like Fife and Tip came out. Now Fife, Fife wasn't as energetic as Tip, but like vocally he was. Tip was everywhere on the damn stage, man. They started out with uh, pictures from the album cover. Yeah. And it just kept kind of sticking to that theme with like the the stripe, like the painted looking stripes to it, mm -hmm. and it changed and it moved around riffing. a lot. And uh, Q-Tip and Fife, they did some dances for a while, which were just like hilarious. They did a lot of nice, like dramatic things in their act. Like they would all like stop and then freeze for a little bit and let like interludes play, and then come back to life when like the, yeah. the interludes were over. <laughs> they held that pause for like a good. Men and a half in a They room. brought out uh, like people like Jerobi. Yep. Uh, uh, Split Star. Yeah, Split Star. And Busta Rhymes. Yeah. I mean, it was. They did scenario, yeah, with Busta Rhymes. Busta came out and just destroyed it and then left. <laughs> no, Busta stayed out there for the rest of the show. Oh, did he? Yeah, okay. he did the hype man for the rest right. of the show. But he came and split it. He came out and Busta came out and the crowd just goes nuts. <laughs> Fucked up ego. This must be lost in that scenario. What? I said, combined on the juice from the mind. Huh? Like, we have to get back on the line. Come for impact. Oh, we got to get back on the line. 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 We got to
probably as loud as it got all day during Tribe set. Yeah. And like some people say that could I've heard some people say that Tribe didn't have the best show, or whatever. They're lying. The show was amazing. They didn't though. catch the whole show if they think that because however it happened, the crowd really Rosenberg, was nuts. the crowd was dancing. They had everybody yeah, in the crowd. Two stepping. Two stepping. Yes. Uh man. Kids do two stepping in this <laughs> shit. Who never even heard it. Oh. Rosenberg said he told Q-Tip that their show wasn't as good as Wu-Tang's because simply because Wu-Tang's Enter the 36 is a more powerful album than Midnight Marauders because it defined who Wu-Tang was. Whatever. You and Midnight Marauders and Tribe had already been defined on low-end theory and people's instinctive. Well, that's a, a judgment on the album and not on the show. Well, yeah, I agree with that. That's why I heard that the other day on Juan Epstein. I was like, they're, he's fucking crazy. Like, easily, man, like... At one point, Q-Tip, his pants are sagging a little bit. The man's pants just fall down. He comes out of his pants. And so he just steps out of his pants and runs into the damn crowd in his boxers. And then continues another two songs before he even puts his pants back on. Man, this show is so good. loving it. You can't forget about He had the time of his life given that. Ali was killing the tables. Man, it was an incredible performance. At one point, he talked about the bass. He's like, well, what is this, like the Vienna Boys Choir or something like that? Yeah, know because what, what happened about. is... hip-hop. You need to turn that bass up. Because uh, try, like um, people in the front row, of course, who were right next to speakers, apparently were saying, turn the bass down, which later would make perfect sense. But right now, it didn't. Apparently, and Tip heard him. Tip goes, Tip says, he's talking about turn the bass down. He's like... Are we the Maryland Philharmonic? Yeah, we that was it. Yes. <laughs> oh man, but it, oh, it was so good. And what what's so really good. nice about this album is you could or uh, this performance, you could have actually have never listened to Midnight Marauders, and still come in and be completely blown away by the performance. You could do not a single word to the song. You could have never heard of a tribe called Quest. Not really care who Busta Rhymes is, and still be. Just completely blown away by the energy that they had at the show. Because they both really looked like this is their best performance they ever did. That they couldn't do anything in their life that would provide them as much fun as being at this show at yeah. that time. It was it was amazing. And I saw some video of the performance in New York. And that looked like it was really good too. But the New York performance didn't From compare. what I've seen, it doesn't look like it compares at all to the DC because, performance. Because Tribe had a raw crowd. Like they like in DC they had a crowd that was a little angry on the edge of the seat because Lauren didn't come out and it hadn't come out and they were just waiting. It was so long since they had seen a seen a uh, actual act that was supposed to be up there. No offense, Supernatural, and it's like they they just were had a, the perfect kind of crowd. Like the crowds yeah. they probably played to the other three nights. Probably crowds that are like Luna, we just saw who, and then like they're like, oh, here's a triumphal quest. But like they fed off that anger and that energy, and he just exploited it. You could, you could just yeah. feel it. It was, oh man, it was so powerful. It's like the crowd had this yearning to be entertained at that point, and they fulfilled the need. Yes. And they did it damn well. It was incredible. Um, I was really, I was really, I tried listening to Midnight Marauders after this, and uh, I couldn't do it because it didn't sound the way it sounded when it did live. I wish I could have, I could find the audio. Like if just the oh, I've been looking for it. If anybody listens to this has the audio or video from that, definitely hit us Yeah, if anybody has the DC stop of the 2010 Rock the Bells Tribe oh, Show. Oh, man, if they made a DVD of that, I would pay like a, as much for the ticket 
as I would just for to have a memory of that man. that performance to be able to share with other people. This tribe was awesome, man. Just simply awesome. And we didn't really hit up the uh, the other stage after that. No, because Wiz Khalifa was going on, and no offense to Wiz Khalifa. Um, I understand he's over the past year his buzz has grown tremendously since I saw him in 08. Um, I, I've I've come to come to respect him again as an artist because I kind of had a little issue with him um, just over what I felt like was, was a snub back in 08. But I mean, shit, I was just a fan to him at the time. I was just trying to ask him something. <laughs> but anyway, I respect Wiz, whatever. But I was like, you know what? I'm not. I don't need to see Wiz now. Like I can't imagine how much Wiz has changed in two years. Besides from having updated music. Not to mention there was like this whole hipster crowd. It <laughs> seemed like they only showed up at Rock the Bells to see Wiz Khalifa. Yeah. And I was just like, I'm not going to go even delve into that to try to get close to the stage. This tells you something. The <laughs> most expensive shirt they had at Rock the Bells was the Taylor Gang or Die shirts. Yeah. Like 30 and the actual Rock the Bell shirts are all 25? Uh, I don't know. I think I paid 30 for mine. Okay, then the Taylor Gang joint was definitely 35. Yeah. It was, I just know it's $5 more than the, low, the highest shirt. So it was, it was ridiculous. But, I mean, he had his people with him. But the thing that me and, uh, me and Matt were waiting for all day was like, oh, we're in D.C. Like, definitely, we, Wale's definitely got to come out. <laughs> He's going to come out on main stage. He's going to. Somebody's going to bring out Wale. Be. Somebody's going to bring out Wale. Why would they bring out Wale? And, like, all day, no Wale. And then I get home, and it's like, Wiz Khalifa brought out Wale, and they performed a song off more about nothing. I'm like, damn it. Yeah, I was blown Always. I mean, I'm glad it was only that one joint. I mean, the song's cool in the album, but it's not a song that's like, oh my god, I can't believe I missed it. Same time, I'm just mad that I had missed my chance to see Wale again. Even though it's not the same instance that I saw Wale in the last time when he had his full band and everything. But I was still a little disappointed with that. So, moving on, the next act was, uh, was Lauren. Yes, yeah, so after another long law. One uh, wasn't too long, too long actually. It was like maybe about twenty five minutes. They got the stage back out, and then they bring out Miss Lauren Hill. Now they brought out the band first. The, and band, the band came out proceeded and proceeded to warm up. up for another thirty minutes, actually, which made it seem like it was much longer without music than. Yeah, I guess it was. But That's then true. Miss Lauren Hill comes out. And Lauren comes out rocking her little Yankees hat and she had on like this long skirt and these glasses and in this dress that looks like. Something that you would see on somebody in the 50s. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not disrespecting her or anything. It's just the way it looked. Yeah. Almost like the way you would see somebody making fun of an old person. I mean, I heard she dressed funny now, but I mean... In like a, a Medea play or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Like it definitely, she looked like some of a Tyler Perry movie. And then she had these glasses she's only on like 30-something tops. And with she's those dressed weird horn like frames that like stick out at the yeah. ends. Yeah, yeah. And then she had a, a fitted Yankee hat on top. And so we are prepared for Lauren Hill of Miseducation with Lauren Hill. Miseducation, Fuji's, because I hadn't really read any other reviews from Rock the Bells because I, I just assumed she's going to be phenomenal. <laughs> they booked her. I mean, she's doing a show again. So obviously it's yeah. like, oh, Lauren's already coming back out. She Lauren's going to come yeah. out swinging, son, you know? Ten years after basically her last performance. Yeah. Ten years. So we thought... This is the performance to see. She's going to have so much bottled up. She's going to have just this energy that she's going to have to, to get out. Going to have joints and joints. And this is the last show of Rock the Bells. So we thought even if she was a little rusty, she should have shook that off now on like the three previous shows. This was the show to see. Even if she was sick or not. Yeah, even if she was sick. And then 
I can't believe how utterly disappointed I was with this entire performance. Like it. Well, first of all, you could really tell how sick she was because she she there's a few very few times that she hit an actual note, and when she did, she had difficulty sustaining it. She basically rap sang her way through most of her songs. Mostly it was like the first song she did was Lost One, right? Yeah. Lost Ones. Like you might win, like like you might win some, but you just and then like the hook is of course, you might win some. And she's like letting her backup singer sing. And she's like, Hey, 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 hey and she's like not even singing it. I understand Lost Ones is a is a rap you, song, but you also have to to mention though that none of the songs are recognizable for the sound that they had on the album. Right. Because for this live show, Lauren had this band that made every song a more of a rock song. More like they doubled the tempo on all these songs. Now, according to an interview she did either right after or during, she said that she, in order for the music to sound fresh to her, that's why she had to alter all the tempos and change it up like that. Now, it's one thing to change up the tempo and kind of, and kind of tweak a song just so you get a different sound out of it. But she could, like, they were, like he said, they weren't recognizable, man. Like, she did Fuji La, she did Lost Ones, she, she did X Factor. X Factor is one of the most badass R&B songs ever. Just one of samples, Can It All Be So Simple by Wu-Tang. And then on top of that, I mean, it's just like you got these painful vocals about how, like, how their relationship's not going to work. And like then you got except imagine that slow jam all of a sudden just bumped up to instead of it being like eighty beats per minute, it's hundred and eighty beats per minute. Yeah. So and it's like with a, a voice that can't really get out yeah. of the note. And yeah. without the any the energy to be able to do it. And the crowd was just dumbfounded. There was afterwards. there was a she had her people who was just so excited to see her singing and just being in her presence. You had her for those I think those still outnumbered the the this, the mad fans. Like people were like, Oh Lord, it's Lord Hill. Like the people were just so jacked up. They didn't really care what she sounded like. Right. But there was a good bit of people in the crowd that that was just very disappointed, you including could just myself. Look around and just see lots of other people looking around at other people. Like I actually like, tweeted are you hearing what I'm hearing right now. I actually tweeted like how to fall off of a story by Lord Hill. Like, cause it was that bad, and like at one point, like after a second song, I know I definitely heard it. But when the crowds clap and everything, I heard, boo! Like I definitely heard it, and like I was just so upset. To me and me and Matt went to go use the bathroom again, whatever. Yeah, we finally said, you know what? We're not gonna stand here and watch this. Let's tragedy. not, yeah, see this and like ruin the artists that we respect. <laughs> Let's just walk away from it, do what we gotta do, and whatever. But that bitch did his dirty. Real she did this real dirty, because we're <laughs> but like um I don't think I went to the bathroom. I think I was just standing there waiting on you. Yeah. Or I had already went to the bathroom, and I look, I hear, um, if I ruled the world, come across the speakers, and like I'm like, oh god, she's gonna see if I ruled the world, why? And I look up and I see this guy in a red hat and <laughs> an all white outfit. Like this nigga had on white shorts, white t-shirt, and I'm like, hey, who's this guy? I look up. I just hear a crowd. And luckily, there's like a an LCD TV right above one of the vendors where yeah. we're standing at. Yeah, and, that, and like Matt came out, and I was like, dude. Yeah, we looked at each other. It's and just, Nas! We just ran. Nas was on stage with her, so we take off 
like boats, like like just running. Got I, I got my ticket out, and everything. Like I'm gonna stop long enough for them to look. And this one asshole security guard, like he's like, let me see your ticket. So I, I show him the ticket. I'm trying to move, and he's like, and like he's like, hold it still. So he makes me come to a complete stop while he looks at my ticket, and then he looks and he says, okay, no running, gone. <laughs> So we get down to the seats. Ass. We get down there, like, and, and like these two um two women were sitting beside. They're mad cool. Uh, they were they're sitting there most of the day enjoying the show with us. Um, and they're like, oh, we thought you'd come back when you saw Nas is up here. And we were all like, yeah, Nas. And Nas is spitting his verse and everything. And like you can hear him doing a chorus. And then they hit the bridge. It's like, and then well, and Lauren doesn't sound that horrible in this. And you're like, oh man, they're really doing it, they're really doing it. And then as soon as they do the hook one more time, they end it, and Nas walks off stage. And we're blown the whole day because we thought, man, we blew our one shot to see the song live, but. Thankfully, I mean, I, I don't even want to like use the word thankfully, but we found out that during this time that we were hauling ass to get there, that nobody else was able to hear Nas either because they forgot to turn his mic up. We did see the YouTube video of that, and at one point Lauren goes, turn Nas's mic up! <laughs> <laughs> so we didn't really miss Nas, we just kind of missed Nas. Yeah, we, we were able to catch the part where his mic was turned on. Yeah. Which is great. <laughs> yeah. And then the rest of her show uh, quickly dwindled down. And then... Yeah, I don't even know what she finished with. Like, uh, like Nas left. And then um, she did one more joint. Did she, she didn't do Killing Me Softly. It was... Uh, no. Was it Ready? No, she did Ready or Not earlier. Um, I don't know. She did, she did another one of her joints. Didn't she do uh, that thing? Uh, yeah. Except that's it was, what it was. That thing, that thing, that yeah. thing. That's what it sounded like. Instead of it, that thing. No, it was like, that thing, that thing, that thing. And then she, she walked on stage, and I was severely underwhelmed by the yeah. whole performance, you know? So so I was really kind of low at this point. I mean, I just saw the best performance of the day, and I probably saw the worst performance of the day. In fact, that was definitely the worst performance of the day. So, so I'm like, all right, they got they got the stage off, and... Like, the paid due stage is done. Like, Wiz finished probably about 6, 7 or so. So, Wiz, like, they're done. And you're like, all right, Lauren's stage is done. There shouldn't be any more interruptions. Like, it should just be, like, like maybe about, I'll give them, like, maybe a 30 to 45-minute gap in between. And then we're going to have music. Because the next act we knew was going to be Wu-Tang. Yes. And, you know, Wu-Tang does not require a band. Just needs a lot of stage for about 10 people. Yep. To just stand still and rap a whole lot really, really loud. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It should That's take all. two minutes to get that stage ready for Wu-Tang. And, and this is another thing. Like, the, like I, I don't know what was up with the sound system. But, uh, like, uh, like, like, I think there was a lot of sound issues going on. Yeah. And also, I think each artist had their preference about how they wanted to sound on stage. Which is understandable. But at the same time, it's kind of annoying, especially when you're in, in the crowd waiting yeah. and waiting for them to go on. But uh, what happened is, uh, I believe at one point they they uh, start playing some music. Like I guess um, it was definitely a Wu Tang beat, but it was, I guess they were just kind of sound testing their music. And for some reason, they decided to take their bass from a comfortable, I'd say, about a seven to about a seventeen, and so all of a sudden. The bass is just pounding, 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 pounding. 
And I understand why, while to the artist, it may be like, oh, well, we're on stage and the sound's going out away from us. The, the bass doesn't sound right because it's a pavilion. I mean, it, you probably have weird sound coming back at you. But the bass was just entirely too loud, man. Too loud. Yeah. And so it took a long time. Lots of this is when all the 10 microphones or whatever that are needed. This is when... I still think we took a nap before traveling on. But anyway, me and Matt were so bored that we definitely took a good 10 to 15 minute nap yeah, in our easy. seats. Fell asleep. Woke up. I was like, damn, I feel better. And I really <laughs> did. It was kind of weird. I took a serious nap at Rock, at Rock the Bells. <laughs> and uh, and I was good after that. And then Peter Rosenberg came out because the delay was long once again. Yeah. And then proceeds to, to hype up the Wu-Tang performance by saying how influential it was to him for this album to come out. Yeah. I think that occurred then. And eventually, Wu-Tang comes out. Woo! And I gotta say, I, I could not believe how many people in that VIP pit must have been there just for Wu-Tang. All acts aside, oh, they, they were all there for Wu-Tang. Crazy for Wu. Crazy, man. And every member of Wu was there. You had the RZA, the Jizza, the old, the, <laughs> the old Young Dirty is. Bastard. Yeah. Uh, Method Man, Ghostface Killer, Raekwon the Chef, Inspector Deck, You God, Master Killer, uh, Capadonna. Capadonna. <laughs> and uh, did I miss anybody? I don't think I did. No. And when we say Young Dirty Bastard, we're talking about Boy Jones, which is the oldest son of young, or of Old Dirty Bastard. Yeah. And he looked just like him. Had his hair all in the braids. Had his hair in the classic, in the classic uh, cornrow. Crazy cornrows. And he did all of his dad's songs. Did every song off 36. Damn near perfect imitation. Skinny as a motherfucker, just like his daddy. And big respect to Wu-Tang for giving this guy the the chance to to do that. Because you know... Yeah, do that. Do his father that le- like that honor, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's this had to be an honor, honor for him, to do, him to do it. It had to be great for everybody to get to to see somebody doing that verse because they they're yeah. not just gonna just let it play. Yeah, and it probably puts money in this guy's pocket. It even gave him a chance to like promo his own album, but they even let him do a whole song on his own. They did uh, Shame on a Nigga. Yeah, they did Brooklyn Zoo. They did Brooklyn Zoo. Yeah, and just let him do the stage all by himself. And, and that's it. something for nine grown-ass superstars, basically, yeah. to let this kid rock in front of, on their tour. Like, I understand he was there for a reason, but that's still a, that's still a lot of props to Wu-Tang for that. But, I mean, they went through classics, yo. They brought verbal intercourse. They did with, verbal they intercourse off the Cuban links. Nas came back out, and Nas's mic was on, and him and Raekwon and Ghost did verbal intercourse for the first time ever. In the history of verbal intercourse. Amazing. Nas decided he was going to stand on stage with other 40 niggas that was on stage. 
and uh, sit there and just drink. That's <laughs> a little red cup. He was just back there chilling, just drinking and shit, yo. And at this time, I noticed that in the crowd was uh, was a Busy B that was over there on the side. Busy B was on the side. Yeah, I forgot Busy B. He was been there like all day, just yeah. rocking on like at that stage, just so watching. Who knows how many other people were there at the show? Just as a part of hip hop, yeah, there, which is awesome. But you know, I got to say about the Wu Tang show. I know a lot of people, it might have been there, the whole reason that they came. And it was cool to see songs like uh, Verbal Intercourse, which, you know, nobody ever really got to see live ice before. Ice Cream. And Ice Cream. And I think they they did it well, but I don't think I appreciated their set as much as a lot of the other people did. Because when it really gets down to it, Wu-Tang is kind of hard to listen to live because there's so many of them. At the same time. Especially in that venue. Too. Yeah. I was just thinking, I think the venue had a lot to do with it. You, you don't really hear what they're saying, and it's just a, it's a whole lot of people on stage. It's, it's overwhelming, really, because you suddenly got 10 dudes up there trying to be as hard as they can. Not to mention 15 people on the right side of the stage just chilling. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's really kind of intimidating. You can really see why they were the influence that they were when they originally came out. Cause it's just like a brute force of hip-hop. Like, yeah. we're going to take this and cram it down your throat. Awesome. And that's that's what it was. I mean, and you can appreciate that for what it was, and it's awesome to see that album perform. Yeah. But really, as a performance, like, as entertainers, they didn't really have, like, the energy and the stage performance and stuff that you would have got from like the Tricol Quest performance. It wasn't that they nested, not that they did anything special. It, I mean, it was they had their certain joints that they did. It was like, oh, they're doing this song, but it was definitely they came across in strength and numbers. Now, I enjoyed the Wu Tang show, but I, I like like you said, I didn't fully enjoy it because I like I, I think I do I like the venue and the sound at this time was just really bad. The bass was just killing you. Like you could even over the music and everybody yelling, you still hear that. Womp, womp, womp in the back yeah. of your head at all times, but uh, I will say that uh, seeing Ghost and seeing seeing Ghostface and Raekwon was awesome. <laughs> seeing Meth was awesome. Uh, who else was all like seeing them all together yeah. was pretty awesome. I could I could care less about Captain. Dog. At the end of the show was what really moved me the most. Cause, yeah. Well, they, well, before you before you said that, I was about to say that. Go ahead. Um, I will say before he says that one last thing. Uh. I like you just watching all ten of them on stage though, in spite the fact that Enter the Wu Tang is seventeen years old now. Uh you can tell even now that Meth is the fucking star. <laughs> yeah. Meth had like it's first for me yeah. for me seeing Meth live. And like, yeah, Meth's fallen off on the album so in the past years. I mean he has the Red Man Meth Man thing. But like just his energy and his presence and like seriously, like if they had just brought Method Man, like if Method Man did a solo shot, it, I would have been happy. Like Meth just, he he is the star. He is the center of the Wu-Tang universe. There will be some that argue with it. I'll still say that Ghostface is my favorite actual member of Wu-Tang at this point. Right, Ghostface, Meth, and then Raekwon for me. But just, the Wu universe centers around Meth, and they really showcased him really well. And at the same time with the Boy Jones thing, I felt like, you could also see where, how important Dirty was to the group as well. Um, except, of course, it wasn't Dirty there. But that's where Westworld would take all their energy from, was Meth and ODV. And you could tell that just from that performance. But yeah. what happened in the show, I'm going to let Shiv tell it, it was, it was quite moving, actually. At the very end of the set, and after they gave uh, 
Boy Jones a chance to to do his his two songs and really kind of promote like his his website and say rest in peace to his dad. Yeah. Uh, Inspector Deck gets the mic and he basically says, like, this is how committed we are to to the fans. You're like, thank you. Less than an hour ago, I found out that my mom just passed away, and I'm, I'm dealing yeah. through that. But you know. I'm here. Like, that's how important you are. Like, I didn't leave. I could have bailed at the last minute. And knowing that Inspector Deck, even though I think lyrically he's one of the best members of the group, he's still not, like, the star that, like, Method Man is that a lot of people might not even notice him missing. Like, if Deck hadn't been there, you would have only noticed it when his verses came up if you really knew your roots. Yeah. And even still, it just, it blew you away. You're like, Because it's not like they were out there doing word on the street. Yeah. One of the best Inspector Deck records. Because most people would, if their mom died... Fuck a show. They're going to yeah. leave. You know what I'm saying? Hell yeah. So it just it added that little bit at the end that you're like, wow, that's crazy that he would do that. It, it was a real poignant moment. The fact that he, he, like he said, I think he said it was like three hours before. Oh, uh, yeah. It was, he could have left. He could easily have left. He could have left. He could have been there to go for his family gone. or something. And then this is basically where the concert ends for me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because uh, this man lost complete interest because he was tired. I was tired myself. But at the same time, it's like, Snoop's coming out to do doggy style. Yes, he's going to do doggy style. And you're thinking, all right, they got the 10 dudes off the stage. There's only, like, Snoop and his people supposed to come out. It can't be that big of a deal to, to actually do this. So, so the music stops, everything. The first thing you do is you start hearing the band warming up. And they start putting, like, the doggy style set together, which is really cool. Like, they, they uh, made the... Doggy style album yeah, cover. Giant backdrop of the album cover itself. And then they set out a picnic table yeah. with some cards on it, some 40s. 40s. OD. Yeah. And <laughs> I, I, there was something else on the table. I don't remember what it was. But, uh, dominoes. Oh, yeah. Dominoes. Dominoes. Left that there. And then an hour passes and still nothing. But what is going on during this hour is the bass that everyone already had a problem with a little bit with the trial call quest joint. And then got super elevated with Wu Tang, ends up getting turned up about ten notches to the point that like I feel like I'm gonna vomit, like yeah, so much it's bad. that I almost go into like a fetal position in my seat, put my fingers into my ears, and then just like try to block it out. And uh, you really couldn't. The bass is like you could feel it in your chest. Like yeah, it was it was really bad. I know that they say that like enough bass will like stop your heart, and I don't think that was to the point that I was about to have a heart attack or anything. But I've never felt so overwhelmed by bass. It was horrible. It it, it, was, it was sickening. It really was. Because when the band was warming up, it's like all right, I can handle that. Yeah. But then they start just playing like Snoop tracks, and it's like womp 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 womp. Like somebody's womp womp womp. When you feel it more than you hear it, like, to that extent. And, I mean, we had good seats, but we were so far away enough yeah. back that that really shouldn't have been a problem. I can't imagine being a VIP. That, Hell no. I mean, I had to leave for a little bit and came back and still felt like shit, really. And then another half an hour passes before anything happens. And then somebody comes out and says something about Snoop is getting his hair done? Yeah, like, Snoop is in the building. He's getting into his suit or something like that. Yeah, getting in his suit and everything. Like some guys, Snoop wasn't there like right. the whole time. Understandable. He's the last act. And then more At the same time, time passes. he's like, 
Yeah, and then they come out and test Snoop's mic and everything. Because yeah. Snoop, Snoop has those custom mics that have the little, like, the uh, Snoop Dogg or something, like, or, like, over the handle and stuff. And, like, he come out and test his mic for a good 15 minutes. And you minutes. see, like, his security. He has, like, six members of security oh, on yeah. stage. Like, some big-ass motherfuckers. a dude dressed up like a dog. He's, <laughs> like, hanging out for a while. Yeah, like the, the uh, doggy-style dog. And after about two hours, didn't you kind of see, like, Lady of Rage and stuff just coming out and sitting at the table, right? Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, Lady of Rage. And then and finally, Snoop comes around around the corner. And, uh... I don't even remember what his first song was. No, what what we saw first Video. was those videos. Snoop had these elaborate, like like tour, almost tour worthy, uh, video interludes between his songs, which were a cool idea for actual tour. Before a four day uh, tour, like for Rock the Bells, it was completely unnecessary, and the fact that the sound was so jacked up, you could barely understand what the hell they're going on, what they were saying in the videos without plugging your ears. Yeah. So it was like they were unnecessary. They're kind of funny, but they kind of just took away for the overall performance. It seemed like a time kill. It really it did. did. They were like, you know, almost like five minutes long, and just interspersed. That really, Snoop didn't do this many songs on his set. No, Snoop did. Snoop did. What's my name? He did. Yeah. Uh, uh, gin and juice. He did uh, serial killer. Ain't no fun. Doggy style, like really. He did. It was all doggy style. Yeah. Okay. He did. I don't think I don't remember him doing anything but doggy style songs. Uh, he did Murder Was the Case. Murder Was the Case was dope, by the way. Yeah. Like, it was just, he, he sat his ass down next to the screen or whatever, and I, I don't, and just kind of just sat there and rapped and did the whole, yeah. and it, like, like, the thing with Snoop is, I was so tired at this point. Like, Snoop had a lot of fucking energy to be the last act on, and I probably would have enjoyed it a lot more had he been on an hour and a half before yeah. at this point. But, um, he came out and the dog pound was there and the dog pound did, was cool to see them right. and Warren G and Lady Rage came out spitting Afro Puffs Nate I mean, Dog wasn't there Nate Dog way, is but... still recovering from his last stroke or yeah. he's still sick unfortunately uh, so best wishes to him of course I'd love to hear, hear that he got better but um I mean Snoop said was good I'm not gonna front and say I, it was horrible but I was severely jaded by the bass by how long it took and just just overall the weight, but the actual show I enjoyed, and the fact that Snoop came out just smoking on one of the world's biggest blunts ever, I was, I was just like, yeah, that's Snoop, all right. And he had on this funny ass, like I've seen him wear it before, like on in uh, magazine shoots or on videos. He had one of those big uh, jumpsuits, all blue with the bandana pattern all over it. It looked very, it looked like pajamas, <laughs> honestly. It looked like straight up yeah. pajamas. <laughs> so uh, that was a. Uh, that was interesting, but I, I enjoyed I enjoyed Snoop. But as soon as Snoop ended, I think Snoop actually cut his set short because yep. he was so late that uh, he kind of kind of had to. I think yeah. I think Meriwether Post Pavilion said you need to get the fuck out of here or whatever. <laughs> you got to clean up. So Snoop did his shit. Me and Matt booked it out of there. It took us about fifteen minutes to walk back to the hotel from the place. Yeah, I'd unfortunately, say. we tried to go get some food. Yeah, that's what I was going to get to next. Uh, we got back and we're starving because I was like, you need Jacks. 
That's where we went. No, Union Jacks was, was the bar we went to the second night. That wasn't the cool bar. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, Union, yeah we did go Union. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Union Jacks was one of the bars we tried to stop at, but they were only serving pizza. <laughs> See, because we had a bright idea, like, oh, well, well, this is what, um, this is what we're going to do. We're going to stop spending money on this expensive-ass food. We're going to get out of here, find some food. We're going to be good. That's the plan. And we get out there at midnight, and we get back, and everything's closing down. Kitchens are closed. Like, the place we were at last night at, on Saturday night, kitchen was closed. Uh, Union Jacks, they're only serving pizza. And we get in a hotel and even go up to the, to the receptionist. Like, hey, is there any place we can go grab some food or have them delivered? Because we call two pizza places, three. And they're all closed. They answer the phone. Hey, we're closed. Papa John's. <laughs> like, damn. I know I'm not in college town, but come on. Yeah. But, uh, at, like, midnight. Yeah, and then, like... I like go to receptions. Like, any place we can grab some food. She's like, if you go to, you can drive to McDonald's about five minutes down the road or whatever. I'm like, no. Yeah. I'm just going to go to bed hungry and deal with it. And that was really the end of the night. And that was the end of our Rock the Bells day. Yeah. The next day we uh we got up and we were whispering because my head rung for a good five days afterwards. Yeah. Like, I didn't want to listen to no music. I listened to my iPod halfway down. Like, I didn't hear, like, any loud noises. You didn't play any music at all. No music on the way back. Three-hour drive home. Um, we, we just got the breakfast buffet again and met this really cool chef who was making fun of me because yeah. I said something stupid. Um, oh, because I said I didn't want cheese. I said I wanted cheese. And I said I didn't want cheese. Yeah. It was indecisive. Oh, my head hurt, damn it. Yeah. And uh, hit the road and got back to Morgantown, i say, about one, one, 2 o'clock. I had to work at 4, so I'd say about 1, 2 o'clock. Yeah, and, and that we finally were able to do Rock the Bells. Yeah, so um, much to the disdain of a lot of our close friends that really wanted to go with us. Yeah, there's we got some heat, man, because they're like, "Why didn't you invite us?" And it's, it's nothing personal, but it's like we missed it two years in a row. And like I said earlier in the podcast, if we didn't do it this year, Lord knows whether we would actually be able to go to it anytime soon. Like it might be something like. Ten years down the road, like, hey, let's go to Rock the Bell now. Let's be those thirty-seven-year-old guys that we were sitting next to um, at the show. No offense to those guys, but at the same time, it's like there's nothing wrong with that. No, but it's it, uh, well. Yeah. If you ever get the chance to go to <laughs> Rock the Bells, it's definitely worth it if you have the time and energy to put into it, and if you have somebody to go with and you got the cash to do it. Yeah, it's it's a fantastic. Uh, music festival, hands down. Rock the Bells is a beautiful thing. You can always count on the lineup being good. Hope it continues for many, many years. Yeah, I mean, it has its flaws, but you know what? Every single, like, big, major music performance is going to happen. And it's only seven years old, though. Yeah. So they still have plenty of time to work out the kinks. So, really, definitely go if you ever get the chance. It's it's fantastic. And plus, if you're interested a little bit more, uh, we kind of alluded to it earlier, there's also a documentary about the very first Rock the Bells. Yeah. You get it on Netflix. It's called Rock the Bells. It just, it talks about what all came together to make the first Rock the Bells happen. And it's, it's kind of, I'm guessing I haven't seen this yet. I still need to watch it. Damn it. I was going <laughs> to ask you if I could take it and watch it. Uh, but it, it's got to be good to know the history of it. And if you're a fan of music festivals, definitely check it out. Yeah, like, Easily, like I've I've seen a lot of fucking hip hop shows this year, man. And like, 
that's definitely the highlight. Like, even tomorrow, I'm supposed to see Drake, and that's like, oh, my God, I'm, like, spazzing, because whatever. I'm a Who else man is on show with him? Uh, just Drake and DJ Irene from Miami, supposed to be DJing. Okay. And, then, like, and the T.I. Wale shows canceled. T.I. Wale got canceled, because I was thinking about going just to see Wale again. Not No offense, T.I., but I saw you once, and I'm good. Well, I thought he was in jail. He's not in jail. Okay. He definitely can't go anywhere right now because he's violated his probation. I don't know what they're going to do to him, though. And another thing, uh, just before we sign off here, um, Morgantown really is a, a jumping spot for hip-hop shows this year because we yeah. got Drake coming back here for, like, a Victoria's Secret thing. Drake was here in April. Thing, but he was just here. Wale is, was going to be doing a show here at TI. And Wale just did a show here two here. years ago. Yeah, not One that long ago. ago. Was it 09? Uh, yeah, it was 09. Yeah. Um, so... I mean, they're they're trying, and Ludacris is just here at Fall Fest. Yeah. And I, and while I didn't get the attend, like just from the little bit I could hear from my street, because like I'm not that far from downtown where the show actually was. RJD two like, was just here. If you're into, it was thumping, man. Into that scene. Yeah, the like there's always all kinds of indie hip hop artists coming through. Yeah. All the time, uh, like one, two, three, Pleasant Street's good for that. Um, Wiz Khalifa's been down here a few times. Like his his price has gotten outrageous from what I've heard. So I don't know if he'll be back down here anytime soon, unless somebody tries to just was just here. Yeah, Bob just did a show. I completely forgot about that. And like he, I mean, he's had three like big singles on the radio this year. So, uh, so I West mean, Virginia, you wouldn't expect it, but how, you listen to a podcast from there, so that's how it is. I'm just waiting for <laughs> Kanye to come through now again. Again, yeah, that's what you'll think. But uh, thank you for listening. To us, yeah, uh, man. recount our tales of Rock the Bells. I hope you enjoyed it because this is a different show for us. Because like we weren't, we're not rec- we're recommending Rock the Bells overall, but it's not like we're talking about something that you can actually go out and get right away. So I definitely appreciate anybody taking time to listen to this episode. But we felt we really needed to talk about it because it's always like it's one of the driving things that we've always wanted to do, especially since we started the podcast. And it had its moments of hip hop that we were able to experience. That yeah, you might not know. Those details about some of those artists otherwise. Actually, here's my recommendation. Um, Out of all these artists that I saw live, um, if you could see Rakim, definitely see Rakim. Definitely see Tribe. Um, Kill to go see Tribe. (laughs) Um, Definitely try to see Big Sean and Murs um, live. Uh, Clips, if they actually show up to the venue, I'm sure they put on a good show. Clips is a no-show. Because Clips no-show, just like they did a couple years ago at Fall Fest. And honestly, Snoop and Wu-Tang aren't bad shows either. Just be careful about the venue and the situation you see them in because you never know. Because these things do tend to run long and it is hip-hop and they're all running on CP time. So. <laughs> um. Kanye Shrug. But yeah, definitely definitely try to check those out if you ever... And if you want uh, new music recommendations, uh, we mentioned Big Sean. He's got Finally Famous 3 out. Yeah, actually, let's, nice let's do that real quick. Let's let's just drop a little knowledge before we end this thing about stuff we're listening to real quick without going okay. too much in depth. Um, so, yeah, he Finally Famous, Finally Volume 3, famous. Big Sean. I've been playing the, the new Skills album, Infamous Quotes. It's free download. You can get that at uh, jperiod.com slash skills, I think is the website. Yeah. It's a awesome album. Actually, I'd, if I had the choice, I'd nominate it for Album of the Year. Yeah, I Incredible have. album. It's produced by J. Period and has DJ Jazzy Jeff, Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince on there. So, yeah, definitely check that out. I'm going to check that out because I have it on my iPod. So I definitely need to peep that out. Uh, my recommendation, um, 
Hmm. I don't want to say Wale. I think we already talked about Wale, didn't we? We didn't really no, talk about No, I'm going to go ahead and recommend this then. Yeah, it's an awesome um, album. My recommendation would be Wale's mixtape, More About Nothing. Also uh, a free mixtape. Also a free mixtape. You can get that at, uh, I believe it's uh, Wale, or no, it's uh, Flor. I don't know. Just look it up. Wale, <laughs> More Google About it. Nothing. It's on the blogs. It's a sequel to 2008's mixtape about nothing. And it's... Ten times better than that mixtape. If you picked up the mixtape about nothing and kind of enjoyed it or was kind of like, eh, whatever, this mixtape is back to the original Wale roots. It's um, nothing like Attention Deficit yeah. if you listen to that. Yeah, it's definitely one of the reasons why I um, became a fan of Wale. And a super big synopsis because this kind of might give some people more of a reason to listen to it. Mm-hmm. As you know, the Seinfeld show is about... Like, the episodes are kind of about nothing. nothing. That's yeah. kind of the premise of this. The album cover is kind of from, like, the the cover of Seinfeld. And it has a whole lot of quotes from a lot of songs. Like, use quotes from the song as, like, the basis. You could not like Seinfeld, still really enjoy the album. If you like Seinfeld, you'll enjoy the album even more. But it's an awesome album, independent of itself. Great, great album. Really, between that and the Skills album and the new leak of Black Cloud off of Joe Budden's... Yeah, Move Music 4 Move comes Music out 4. October 26th, so make sure you're That'll on top of that. That'll get you by for a while. That'll really... That'll probably you know. get you through yeah. until uh, we do another podcast. Yeah. Um, and then one other non-hip-hop um, uh, suggestion that I've been listening to, in case you just want to switch up things like I did the other day, uh, check out the new Maroon 5 album, Hands All Over. That shit is pretty good for something you can just throw on and just and just have one and not really worry about just zone out and listen to it. It's a good album. So I just want to throw it out there. But let me get to the administrative, as it's called, from what I've heard. Uh, if you want to get in touch with me or Shiv, you can email us at hhmpodcast at gmail.com. You can um, send us comments, anything like that. Any suggestions, whether you hated it, uh, we, we don't care. We'd love to hear your feedback. Um, make sure you check us out on Facebook. Just type in Hip Hop Manifesto with three exclamation points. And you'll find us there. Check us out on iTunes. Yeah, we're on iTunes. Please, we're super legitimate. please check us out on iTunes and leave feedback. Uh, rate us. Really appreciate that too. On Twitter, twitter.com/slash hip hop manifesto. Uh, mostly, it's the updates about when the episodes are out, and sometimes you'll see stuff about just random stuff from the show. Or follow us individually at either twitter.com/slash be hyphen or chivalry. Either yeah, one of us. You can or definitely both hit us, us up there if you really like us. And we're both on Facebook too. If you want to check us out there. Um... Trying to think if there's anything else. Uh, oh, the website. Uh, the website is hhmpodcast.blogspot.com. Uh, so you can get all the episodes there. You can subscribe to, um, to our podcast on iTunes from there. And also you can go to b-hyphen.com. And whenever we do a podcast, I do any podcast, it's up there too. So you can check it out there. And uh, I think that covers all the basics. That's it. Thank um, you for being a part of it. Yeah, thank you very much for listening. Um, until a year from now, I uh, hope everybody stays clean. Like, nobody gets any addictions or has any babies they didn't want. Or, wow. You know, uh, and eats eats well. Yeah. And important. listens to some great hip hop. So, my name is Kellen V. Hyphen Conley. And I'm Matthew Chivalry Spencer. And until next time, uh, it's a hip hop world and y'all just living in it. I haven't said that since episode one. Full circle. Good night. Dunk.
You've been listening to Hip Hop Manifesto, brought to you by Matthew Chivalry Spencer and Kellen B. Hyphen Conley. Special thanks goes out to Thomas DJ and Derek Ferguson of Better in the Dark. And also to everybody who attended Rock the Bells this year, who took all those videos that we got all of this episode sound clips from. Thank you very much for your hard work and dedication. It's greatly appreciated. And keep supporting Rock the Bells, as I hope to do so as well. If you want to check out the podcast, hit us up at hhmpodcast.blogspot.com. It's where you can find all of our episodes. You can find a link to subscribe in iTunes. And actually, if you go on iTunes and type in Hip Hop Manifesto, you'll find us there as well. So please leave us some feedback, a couple stars, preferably five, and some ratings. You know, get our get our weight up in the iTunes game. If you want to email us, make sure you email us at hhmpodcast at gmail.com with any comments, questions, anything like that. We'd love to get some feedback. So feel free to fire at us whenever. Pause. Copyright Matthew Spencer and Kellen Conley. This has been a Death Before Dishonor Entertainment and Hyphen Conglomerate Production. Yeah, that new new. Keep supporting hip hop, R&B, all that. Go see concerts. Support the arts. And keep listening to Hip Hop Manifesto. Until episode 9. Deuces! Deuces!